Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and I am so pleased to welcome my son back to Wales. He has just been on a rather extraordinary trip to the United States, tracking down former members of the African Children's Choir. So, Peter, thank you so much for being on the program. Great to be with you, Dad. Now, many years ago, I was involved in helping to write a book called Uganda Holocaust with a guy called Ray Barnett. Ray Barnett is an extraordinary character. He was originally from Coleraine in Northern Ireland, and um, he uh, challenged me to give up my career in Fleet Street working for the Sunday people to go with him to Uganda. And we traveled all over the country in a van that was... Um, loaned to us by World Vision. And uh, during the trip, a young boy joined us in the van and started to sing a lovely song. Uh, he was talking about going to heaven. <laughs> and I uh, recorded it on my cassette recorder, if people can remember cassette recorders. And um, Ray basically was so moved by the singing of this young man that he thought, you know, when the book comes out, let's explore the possibility of starting a choir of African children, particularly from Uganda. And so he started the African Children's Choir, and Peter's just come back from tracking down many of the former members. And let's start, Pete, with the story of a young boy from Rwanda who survived the genocide. This was remarkable. His name's Alec Sengamana. And um, what's incredible is uh, he now works for Samaritan's Purse, the people that gave him one of these Operation Christmas Child uh, shoeboxes when he was a little boy, just after he'd lost much of his family uh, in the genocide, and now works for the charity. So we went to North Carolina in uh, the city of Charlotte, uh, he came down from Boone, where he works for Samaritan's Purse. But I had actually written an article about his story when I worked for Samaritan's Purse about five years ago. So to now meet him in person and hear how getting that shoebox planted a seed in his life, in his Christian faith, and in his journey to forgive the man who killed his grandmother and his uncle... But I'd never realized the connection with the African Children's Choir that a few years later, I think as a nine-year-old boy, he joined one of the first uh, choirs in Rwanda in the late 90s. And that uh, led him to Christ. And he described to me when we interviewed him what it was like to go to Canada and America as a boy that had uh, survived the Rwandan genocide to have his first ever McDonald's. And just the bond uh, with the the people that he met on the choir and with Daddy Ray, which is what Ray Barnett is affectionately known by the maybe 1,200 children that have gone through the choirs. They're now onto their 50th choir. So it was amazing to not only hear the story of the forgiveness he'd had in his life. I mean, he told one incredible story how God protected his life. He tripped over a cow dung 
and because of that a bullet just missed his head within inches and so story after story but not just that but the fact that now he's living the american dream he's just married and a lovely american girl they've been married nearly two years now but the thing that makes me most jealous about him is he's just ran the charlotte marathon in three and a half hours incredible <laughs> what's your best uh time then mine is just under uh four hours so <laughs> it's remarkable that um you know, he's working in full-time ministry with Samaritan's Post. He goes all up and down the country telling his incredible story of forgiveness, but that God has blessed him with this wonderful wife. He was actually adopted by this incredible family, I think, from Minneapolis. So it's just an, an incredible story. And what was even more special was that uh, Daddy Ray and Alex hadn't seen each other since he left the choir in the early 90s. So I was there for this very moving reunion sort of 19 years later, and just to see that bond that they had was really special. What uh, what was so unusual about this choir was that um, they not only travelled from city to city performing these wonderful songs and in the African clothing, but they also were taught. They had sort of like tutors on the on the bus and wherever they were, then they would stay with the Christian families at the church where they were. Tell us a little bit of background of the way that they these kids received an education as well as uh, singing in the choir. Well, what was so special was after... Um Spending that day with Alex, we drove up to Washington, D.C. and had the chance to meet one of the very first uh, choir members, Charlotte Diorio. An incredible story. She grew up in a very difficult family situation in Uganda, joined the choir. And this is what's incredible. She ended up being uh, Alex's mentor while he was a choir member. She came back. She wanted to give something back. So I got to interview Charlotte about that incredible bond she had with Alex, helping him get an education, discipling him. So while they're on the road, uh, they're getting this incredible Christian discipleship as well as when they're back in their home country, getting a full-time education. And what's even more remarkable with Charlotte's story is she's married an incredible war hero called Frank Diorio uh, from New Jersey, he heard about the choir through his sister she got saved helping lead these choirs uh through america and so he thought oh let's check this out so he started getting involved in the choirs going out to rwanda and through his sister introducing him to charlotte he ends up marrying charlotte and they have three beautiful children and um i just spent time with both of them hearing frank's story he uh, led his troops in one of the fiercest attacks uh, from al-Qaeda in Iraq. It was featured on CNN, his story, and um, he survived 9-11. He was working uh, in the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center at the time of the attacks, and he said on the very morning he was going to commute to work, God prompted him not to get on that train, and that very train crashed under the, uh, the World Trade Center and he was able to get the next train and help other people on the ground. So some incredible stories. And just to see that connection between Charlotte's story being the very uh, first choir member to helping Alex was very special. 
So why is it that Ray wanted to go back and find out what was going on with these these former choir members that um, were now spread all over the place? Well, I've just reconnected. We both have in the last few months with Ray after many years because he's brought out his biography, uh, Don't Tell Me It Can't Be Done, which is a great title. I was at a Christian media conference in Dublin a year ago, and one of his colleagues approached me and said, Are you Dan Wooding's son? I work with Ray Barnett. I, I couldn't believe it. So we were both reunited with Ray a few months ago. But what happened, the, the story of the African Children's Choir was such a big story, he only barely touched on it in his biography. So now he wants to work on a second book, just telling the story of the African Children's Choir. And he asked me to help him gather interviews with all these people. And we'll be posting some incredible video stories of these in the next few months. But we're also getting them transcribed uh, for this next book, which we hope uh, can come out within the next year. Just telling those individual stories of what some of these choir members have gone on to achieve. It's funny, race says when they're in the choir they say what's your dream and he said nearly every single one of them have fulfilled that dream either to be lawyers un country directors doctors teachers nurses um so uh ray who's now in his early 80s has this incredible uh, legacy when uh, when I was working with Ray on one of the trips, uh, Pete, we we went to Lebanon. He was running um, a ministry called Lebanon Aid, and uh, we were staying in Matula on the Israeli side, and we'd go across the border to the um, uh, there was a Christian radio station there, and one of the people that worked at the radio station was called Chuck Pollock, and Chuck Pollock um, was uh, part of the team there and this radio station was started by um, uh, an American wonderful American gentleman and uh, what happened was that uh, one day the terrorists blew the, st the station up. Fortunately, all of the um, the Western uh, staff survived it. But you actually spent time with Chuck. Tell us a little bit about what he's doing and his wife's doing. Incredible couple. First of all, just to spend time with them and hear how they served the Lord so faithfully at the peak of the war in Lebanon to run this Christian radio station. They actually showed me a mortar shell that had landed in their back garden. They raised their kids there during that time. So that was so inspiring. Today, Chuck has carried on in Christian radio, but more in a training, mentoring role, and particularly going to places like uh, Nigeria, Kenya, Asia, with this incredible training ministry. His wife, Kathy, works for the Billy Graham Association. She was vice president. Before that, she was vice president of CBN. Uh, but now she works in their donor, um, donor section uh, department. And uh, so that was just very special. And Ray, I think, had worked there for about a year at the radio station. But just to hear people serving in the middle of a war zone and just describing how... They always had walkie-talkies that there was suddenly an attack and missiles going off around them. It was uh, really inspiring to hear. 
Well, you did something I would have loved to have done. You went to the Billy Graham Library. I began my career many, many years ago working for Billy Graham when he uh, took over a paper in London called The Christian. And uh, it was the oldest evangelical paper in the world. And he uh, put money into it, modernized it, recruited staff. And Pete, you you and your brother, uh, Andrew, and your mom, Norma, we all moved to London, and uh, I worked for the uh, Billy Graham paper, The Christian, for a year, and then sadly it got closed down. But years later, um, I started work again, working with Mr. Graham in Moscow and uh, in Germany and uh, also in Puerto Rico through uh, Larry Ross, who this giant of a a man who... uh, did Billy's uh, press for about 32 years, but you went to the Billy Graham Library. You saw the uh, the graves of uh, of Billy and Ruth there. But what was it like to go around that library? It was incredible. First of all, uh, we went to uh, his uh, child childhood home. They rebuilt it brick by brick and completely recreated. So you, you can actually go into the home. Uh, where he was raised on a dairy farm um, and walked through. It's very moving, pictures everywhere of his family. So you get to see his roots. Then we went to his grave size, very, very touching. And then you go into the Billy Graham Library, and what's very special is as you approach it, it has a cross. The window into it is shaped like a cross, and you walk through. And it wasn't quite what I expected. It's an incredible multimedia experience. You're first of all greeted by a talking cow. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the first stage with a talking cow because of the... um, She actually talks about how Billy had cold hands when they used to milk this cow. (laughs) It's quite (laughs) funny. And then you go room by room and watch all these incredible old videos of Billy Graham, a recreation of his uh, radio studio. You get to see some of the interviews he did. And what's incredible is right at the end, you're given a decision card. So this amazing legacy of Billy Graham is that I think about 20,000, 30,000 people have accepted Christ as part of going on this tour. So at the end, uh, you walk through these final doors and you're walking through these crosses. And then there's a counseling team that pray with you and uh, lead so many people to Christ. They've had millions of visitors. And as I say, uh, several thousand, maybe 20,000 decisions for Christ. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. Well, it's so inspiring for me, Pete, that the fact that you're continuing the legacy that Ray helped me start because he took me on my very first overseas trip. We went to Russia. It was a YWAM demonstration. Uh, we all got held under uh, house arrest in uh, just outside of Moscow. We had something like 50 men with rifles surrounding it. And I remember Ray said to me, wow, isn't this exciting? And I said, what do you mean it's exciting? We're going to get killed. He said, well, if we've survived this, we've got a big story. And Ray just didn't seem to have the slightest fear of anything, you know. What was it like traveling around America with him on this trip? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I'm sat with you, Dad, and you tell all these incredible stories. It doesn't seem real. And Ray's the the same. He's this incredible storyteller. So 
you know, say when I was negotiating with Hezbollah to uh, ensure the release of Western hostages in Lebanon, it just doesn't seem real. It's straight out of a movie. And then you look at these photographs of people that he's met with the choir, people like George Bush Jr., Mariah Carey, Paul McCartney, Bono. It's incredible the doors that this African Children's Choir Ministry has opened, but um, he is in his early 80s, so uh, you have to take good care of him. We took a bit of a road trip driving from uh, Charlotte to Washington, D.C., so that was quite an adventure. But what's so special is we did um, a Facebook Live interview with this original choir member, Charlotte, and her friend Frank on CBN News, and... um, so many messages poured in from people that knew Daddy Ray. You realize the affection all around the world for this incredible man. And then even one of the most high up military war heroes who we had the privilege of staying with in Virginia. His name is Major General Thomas Jones. He's not Welsh. He <laughs> served in Vietnam, Desert Storm, Haiti. And yet what a completely different background to raise and yet he calls him daddy ray and he says he is the most remarkable person i've ever met in my life and uh general jones helped to introduce this mentoring program that he uses for military kids in philadelphia i think and uh runs these camps now for children that are part of the choir in kenya and uganda so it's incredible to see the love and respect for Ray and to see the, this incredible legacy. Is the African Children's Choir still going? Yes, I think it's touring America as we speak. So it's still going. It's on its 50th choir now. And how do people get information? So they can go to africanchildrenschoir.com, africanchildrenschoir.com, or to look up Ray and his new book, Don't Tell Me It Can't Be Done, you can go to raybarnett.com. That's with two Ts. Now, Pete, I am so thrilled to see the way God's using you now. Um, what made you get involved in journalism? Well, obviously, you must have had an influence on me. And then I went into missions work with YWAM, and now I've really combined those journalistic roots I had uh, with the missions work and so that's why I love reporting on these incredible kind of stories and it's taken me all around the world I always tell people the pay's not great but the experiences you get uh, are really the paycheck at the end of the day What are a couple of the, the, the you know outstanding stories that you've covered recently? Earlier this year in January I went to Ukraine and travelled to the war zone and there was two stories that stood out we went to a prison um, right in the war zone with a man who actually served 10 years in this prison himself, got saved in prison and met his wife in prison because she came on a chaplaincy team. And so I was given permission to film him preaching in this prison and he led two men to Christ. So that was an incredible experience. Then they took us to meet a UNHCR paramedic who was a vet by trade and profession, but during the peak of the fighting in East Ukraine would drive his ambulance into these villages that were being bombed and rescue people. But he got arrested by the Russian separatists and got imprisoned. They were threatened to kill him. They'd found a Bible in his ambulance. 
and he said after three days it was like paul in the book of acts that he just walked out of the prison cell <laughs> so to meet heroes like that was uh was incredible and to tell their stories was a privilege well you've traveled also with jeff thompson and um many people listening will know jeff from mercy projects formerly eastern european outreach but tell us a little bit about the hearts of love home that you've been to i know you've even taken i think a couple of your daughters there as well yeah we've been supporting this center as part of mercy projects for about 11 years now i took my first team there in 2008 and just fell in love with this center that has become a lifeline for so many stigmatized special needs children and their families in the town of Connertop. and it's a, a res it's not a residential center but it's a school for children with uh, autism down syndrome all sorts of different conditions that the schools don't want anything to do with them. Even the special needs schools can't cope with them. And on my last visit to the center, we interviewed a boy who, when he first arrived at the center, they said he was like a hurricane. He was just completely out of control. He was autistic. And yet the love and the, the compassion that they gave him completely calmed him down. And he even spoke for the very first time. And so to see this boy so calm, and learning these great tools now, it's uh, it's very moving. And the thing that he loves is doing jigsaw puzzles on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did it affect your two daughters? Yeah, it was life-changing for them. My second daughter, Sarah, uh, Anna, came with me on my first trip with, my, with her about seven years ago. And she was completely impacted. She's a dance teacher now. So she got to teach these dancing, uh, these children uh, a dance routine that they show to all the parents at the end of the camp and that was so special to see them perform and see the, the proud look on their parents faces and then my youngest daughter Abigail came with me just last year it was the 10th anniversary of uh, us supporting this center and Abigail came with me and she just fell in love with these kids and uh, that's inspired her to join YWAM I can't believe 30 years after I joined YWAM our youngest daughter, Abigail, is currently doing her discipleship training school in Kona, the University of the Nations, and is just weeks away from going on her first uh, mission trip. Looking back, what would you say, God, is the biggest lesson God's taught you over the years in doing all these trips? I think one of the greatest lessons I learned uh, in my days in YWAM in the late 80s was that God can use your skills, your passions to share your faith um, I never felt I was much of a preacher or an evangelist but I'm able to tell these stories through this gift that God has given me through journalism I absolutely love running marathons and so I've raised thousands of dollars running marathons I love soccer and I've played soccer uh, on like evangelistic teams so God seems to take uh, your skills and you uh, surrender them to Christ and he's able to use you in those 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 things that you can do but he's also very gracious I, I backslid for many years through the 80s and God always seemed to take me back so he's gracious and he used your gifts for his glory now you're living not very far from a place called Chester but your first job in full-time journalism wasn't exactly glamorous tell us about it 
Yeah, I worked for a local newspaper and I was what you call a sub-editor where I'd write the headlines and proofread the articles, but they weren't the most exciting stories. But it gave me good training and it also, you know, toughened me up. It's not easy working in a mainstream uh, news desk when they're criticizing your um, your work in quite a blunt way. And uh, But they were always respectful of my faith. And the nicest compliment they paid on my last day there was that they'd stopped swearing, they'd stopped cussing <laughs> since I'd been on the news desk. <laughs> then you joined United Christian Broadcasters and you helped to make history, Pete, where you broadcast, was it from the newsroom in Stoke over to Russia and back again? This was incredible. This was... Uh, 1997 I think it was where this Christian radio station that struggled to get a UK license was given a transmitter from Moscow and we were able to go on the air every day at three in the afternoon till midnight broadcasting the gospel all across the UK being transmitted from Stoke to Russia and back to the whole of the UK that was that was incredible and up until um, a few months ago I was still going back freelancing on the news desk there which was which was great to be back there and uh, it's an incredible ministry today because I saw a picture of you and some of the UCB team on that very first uh, time where you put it on the air were, were you really nervous then uh, no, I've been there for quite a few years at that point. That was the second time that a uh, breakthrough came because the British government banned us from getting a FM license. We were able to get what's called a digital license, DAB radio, which in the States is like serious radio. And we were able to finally go national uh, long term. And so that was an exciting day. It was about 10 years ago. So now to sum up the trip to... Uh uh, research the African Children's Choir. How can people pray for the choir and how can they pray for you and Ray? Yeah, pray for Ray because um, he's in his early 80s and he really wants to get this book out in the next year. So we're hopefully heading off to Kenya and Uganda in the next few months. That's going to be incredible to see what some of these uh, original choir members are doing today. Uh, so just pray for Ray's health and that we can get all these stories done to get the book out and people can find out more at africanchildrenschoir.com Peter Wooding, my son, thank you so much for being on the program Great to be back with you You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News Service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.